0: What's up, everybody? I want to tell you about a brand new sponsor for this week's episodes, Peaky's, and they are a fantastic company here in the Bay Area. My good buddy, Jared Tuska, is the founder and creator of this food truck business, and it is absolutely amazing. And this is their message at Peaky's. Our number one goal is to bless your taste buds. That's what I'm talking about. Peaky's is a new food truck in the Solano County area. So if you are a Bay Area listener, then you know where I'm talking about. Good old Solano County. And they are serving up giant gourmet hot dogs and wood-fired pizzas guaranteed to fill your belly with pure deliciousness. Now, that's what I'm talking about. And you can follow their locations and brewery rotations on Instagram or Facebook. Just type in Pinky's Eats. That's Peaky's Eats, P-E-A-K-Y-S-E-A-T-S. They also offer catering for weddings, special events, and corporate luncheons. You can contact them for a free quote at Peaky's Eats at gmail.com. That's Peaky's Eats at gmail.com. And now, dang it, I'm hungry for a hot dog and a wood-fired pizza. Head over to their Facebook page, their Instagram, and hook them up. And uh, I know you're probably thinking, well, what if I'm not local? What if I'm not Bay Area? Hit them up anyway. Send them across the country and uh, keep them blessed and busy. Thank Thanks for listening and being a supporter of The Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast. Idly hey! Welcome to another episode of The Brett Allen Show. Prepare to be astonished! A pop culture podcast. Join Brett Weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, television, comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so going to party! Now, here's your host, Brett Allen. Dennis, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you here today. Well, thanks for having me. We talked about this in the intro, and this is a huge honor to have him on the show. Been Shameless fans for years, and so we're talking to Dennis Cockrum. You know him as Terry Milkovich from the Emmy Award-winning series Shameless. So we're going to talk about that and also just all the other things that he's been a part of. I mean, he's been in the business for ever, a very long time. Yeah, I mean, you've done a lot. I've seen a lot of your other work, but uh, I think most people know you from that show. But it's hard to believe, I think, that this show has been on now for 11 seasons. Unbelievably yep. long. And it's coming to an end, sadly. We're, we're wrapping it up. There's just a few episodes left. How did it feel for you, having been a part of this for so long, to know that it was coming to an end and that your character, Terry, would also becoming to a fateful end as well.
1: Well, uh, I I felt uh, melancholy, I guess is the right word for it. I was a little sad by it all. Um, uh, It's the longest I've ever played a character uh, on anything. And to be clear, I wasn't on all 11 seasons. I was in prison for four. Yes. (laughs) My character, not me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Let's be clear about that. Yeah. (laughs) I did the first four seasons, four in the slammer, and then I was out for the last three. But it was still more the longest I'd ever worked on a show, and it was uh, it was hard to say goodbye to all those folks that you knew so well and worked with for so many years. It was a wonderful experience, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was sad by it.
1: I guess "sad" is the right word—melancholy, sad. Sorry to see it end.
0: Yeah, and I think like it's one of, or has been, one of the longest-running shows on TV. Like it's outlasted a lot of. Shows that were on for a very long time, so to have something like that created and to be able to have it go on for so long, I think is a really big deal, especially for a cable show, right? Like Showtime or HBO, mm-hmm. any one of those networks.
1: And I still think it's a pretty highly rated uh, show on Showtime in terms of audience. So
0: yeah, yeah. And
1: Netflix. When they go to Netflix, it always goes to number one for a while. So
0: yeah, and for those who are still catching up. We won't have too many spoilers here. I think everybody's seen the least the most current episodes. So I think we'll be okay. I want to say that. This I know nothing
1: beyond what I've done. So
0: I can't help you. That's okay. Well, we won't go past that. I think we're totally fine there. That That's, that's, I don't even know. None of us know. So um, it's all good, my friend. So the character that you have created, well, it's quite a creation. And we've seen him evolve over the years since you've, been on the show actively and uh in this last episode that before you died so there's one spoiler but again people will just have to catch up it was almost like we saw a little bit of humanity so to speak between you and your son on the show Noel Fisher and and kind of the family as an actor who's played this character and and developed him so well and so long Do you feel like a sense of accomplishment for him as a character or as an actor, so to speak, or sort of a sigh of relief and go, "Okay, there's some sort of positive closure for his series journey, (laughs) I guess would be the best way to put it?
1: Well, it's been such a joy to work with Noel Fisher all these years as my son, Mickey. And uh, I had definite ideas about how I thought we should tackle the scene. I had some ideas and. The fabulous Shinola Hampton directed that episode, who's been on the show from the start as V, but she directed that. It was her directorial debut, and I was so honored to be a part of that. It kind of a funny story. Um, last season, she was shadowing John Wells and other directors. That's what they call the business. When, you, when you're training, you shadow the director to see what they do and how they're doing it. So she was shadowing John. And, and I said, I are you going to direct soon? She goes, yes, I think, uh, hopefully next season. And so I said, oh, that's great. I hope I'll be in it. And I didn't. I, I was. So that was great. But it was funny because we started that episode in December, and then there was some uh, protocol thing with coronavirus that they said that the bunch of people tested positive. They hadn't really, but it shut down production for like three days, so things got pushed. So we had to finish it in January. We didn't get it all done in December. And I came home the first day of working with her. I said to my wife, I said, my gosh, Shinola is so good. She's fast. She's she's great. You know, she's great. And then a month later we finished the show and I teased her. I said, you know, you know, your work's great, but you're kind of slow. <laughs> said, no, it wasn't me. You know, and it was a teaser about how long it took to shoot the episode. Anyway, I didn't mean to get way off track there, but That's I came okay. up with, with some ideas uh, about that scene with Noel that um, it was the closest to any kind of I don't know reconciliation is the right word or not, but any of the closest to any kind of feeling for him, Because in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, as Terry, he was my favorite. He was my favorite kid. Um, I had always been grooming him in my mind to take over the business. He was the smartest of the milkoviches, which is a, a, a bit of a short putt, but uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, he <laughs> had the most potential to run the business. And you know, I wasn't going to put Iggy in charge of it or one of those other guys. So. And uh, Mandy just wasn't really a part of the business. And uh, so it, it was this, you know, I thought it was important to kind of get to that a little bit. So I had this idea, Noel and I worked it out about how the feeding would go, you know, and that having me open my mouth for the second bite was uh, as close to, a, I'm sorry, as we're ever going to get from it. it we kind of thought that, figured it out. And Cheryl went with it to her credit. She was
0: great and open to it. And yeah. So, yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Yeah, there was I felt like a lot of humanity, humility on both parts of the characters in the show. And and to be honest, I got a little teary eyed to kind of see that whole thing come to an end and go, OK, these guys are having some sort of reconciliation and a way to kind of make it end well, so to speak, and give. At least the viewers, some closure to the whole relationship, right? Because it's just been all over the place um, off and on for so long, which I'll be honest, it's just been a hoot to watch. <laughs> it's just been a trip. It's uh, been fun to do, you know? Yeah, I can imagine. And I've talked to other actors who have been on the show who have had long story arcs like yourself, and they all seem to say the cumulative response is like, it's one of the best shows to work on in the sense that You just have a lot of shameless freedom, they call it, to just kind of create your character and just be who you want them to be. Right. As far as like what they not necessarily what they say or was written, but as you described, kind of working things out between scene partners and going, okay, let's do it this way.
1: There was an episode to to your point. uh, You know, if you ever get a chance to work with John Wells, do it. I mean, he's just phenomenal. But an episode he wrote a few seasons ago, um, well, it was actually season four. Going back to season four, and uh, they were taking me out of my apartment, arresting me in Chicago in my underwear, as always. And, yes. <laughs> and it was he had a couple of expletives written, you know, da da da. What are you saying? To the cops. And then he just and he said, and he continues all the way to the car. Well, that was carte blanche for me. <laughs> To call these two cops everything in the book. And John trusted me. He wrote that up. So he trusted me. <laughs> I think he wrote that. I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, to just make it up as I went. He knew I would. And I did. And the two cops, they were actual Chicago cops they hired <clears throat> to come and do this. Big guys, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. So they
1: were bracing me up like this. And I'm kicking and screaming and calling everything in the book. And we get in the squad car and they would just howl, laughing at me, you know. And I, I said, do guys ever really do that? They go, oh, yeah you would be the <laughs> all do the time. That. It's going to help them in any way, shape or form, you know, but, uh, but yeah, so they do that sort of thing. Uh, Noel and I will laugh it, we'll get a script and we'll look at, it. we go, well, we got a Milkovich line, these lines a little bit, you know, put a little Milkovich isms in there, which usually means dropping some, you know, square words.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. It's, I'm sure they're like, we know a guy just like you. <laughs> Or have worked with guys like you as far as arresting. Another moment of humanity, I think, too, is when Frank's character, Frank, is coming down and you guys sit on the porch and just have a little bit of an exchange there. Kind of, we learn that his character uh, is coming to an end, so to speak, as well as far as like memory and all of this. I just think it's great. Like, it's the perfect way to end a show and really kind of bring closure to everybody when you first found out you were getting this role and it was offered to you and you're seeing it described on paper, I guess, how, how do you get into somebody like that? Because I mean, it's just so broad and you've obviously, again, we've said you've developed him as long as you've been doing it. So it's taken time, but initially you read the side of Terry Milkovich, like how do you even go, How do I tackle this? It's insane.
1: Uh, I I talked to Noel about this, and I said, "Did you have any idea when we first were doing this that this was going to wind up this?" He goes, "No." He goes, "I was hired for so many episode arc." I said, "I was two two episode co-star." I think is what it was originally. Was all it was there, and uh, and I didn't know much about him. And um, we actually got more backstory on Terry after he was dead than I (laughs) the whole time (laughs) I was playing him. I know. it was, uh, but he was a totally reactionary character. You know, um, I remember at one table, read John Wells said that the top of it, he goes, "Well, Terry's back, so something's going to happen." And what I like about what they've done in this last uh, season is uh, Terry. I always wanted to be doing something in every scene, doing something. He had to be whether it was smoking or drinking or carrying equipment or uh, playing pool. He never. He was always active. So that when the inaction happened, it really, I think, drove it home. Oh, here's a guy who's now can't move at all. And the same of it with Frank is here's a guy who was able to, you know, he has the, you know, the uh, kiss of the Blarney, as they say in the Irish, I guess he could sit and philosophize on everything. And now he's losing that mental capacity. It's, it's uh, for the two characters, it's kind of a, a circle to, to finish them off both. And what a joy to work with him and scenes just, you know, he he said something to me in that scene that, that just changed my whole read of it. And it was just, he asked me a question. Uh, this the I think I asked him to shoot me mm-hmm. and initially it was shoot me and there was an expletive. I called him and when I would do it, the crew would laugh and I was saying, I was sort of playing it like, shoot me so I don't have to listen to you anymore, you know? And Bill just said, is he serious? And that's all I needed to go. Oh my God, I think you're right. He's really asked him to shoot him. Cause if it, if I'm not, then it doesn't make his, the rest of his scene play well. So that's the kind of you know, it's just a great scene partner who all has to do is just ask a simple question and and then we go a different way with it. And the same with him. I when he first sees me, I said to him, I said, I just said, Bill, is this the first time you're seeing me in a wheelchair? And he went, Oh, you're right. And so he kind of changed a little bit. So it's that's when you're really working well, I think, with someone when you give and take and you're helping each other to make the scene better, you know.
0: Yeah. And I mean, William H. Macy, my God, I mean, he just embodies that show so well it's just again i've said this when we started like it's very it's a big honor to have you because to just talk about a show that has just gone on so well and so highly rated and in that last moment where you just described where you wanted to be shot and the line you know uh do not go easily into the night or something like that it's gentle that
1: good night it's a poem by dylan
0: thomas yeah i'm not gonna give you that easy of an out you know what i'm saying like no, you, if I'm suffering, then you're going to suffer too, just in a different sort of way. And of course, this last episode, we learned that he was a young swooner. He was quite the guy. (laughs) And uh, then I think they go and visit your former lover or somebody you wanted to marry. And we kind of learn in some sort of veiled way, like, how you became who you are and your opinions and thoughts on all the different things. Right. A little bit, a little bit, right? Not too much. It's kind of an assumptive closure for Mickey, Noel and, and, and all of that, you know, just to kind of go, okay. What, what they,
1: what they always did with this character, which I thought was kind of brilliant is every time you started to feel that way about Terry, they kind of pull the rug out.
0: Yeah. Like no. in this case, out. it was
1: a woman who I fell in love with as a teenager and, and she was Jewish and I said I would convert for her and learn Hebrew and I couldn't get through Hebrew and went back to her dad and said, can I please marry her anyway? I converted. He goes, no, but deal's a deal. And you're thinking, oh, poor Terry. And then she goes, and then he killed him.
0: Yeah, I know. I didn't see that coming. Well, I'm Dennis.
1: sure he killed him. I mean, The police couldn't prove it, but he killed my dad.
0: And they're like looking at oh. each other like, that makes I'm sense. Flat, and they just was... bolt out of the house, you know. Before uh, you get
1: too sentimental about Terry... This is who he was even as a teenager.
0: Right. So. And then I think another iconic moment is of Ian and Mickey is them just lighting you on fire and the cemetery there and just running away. Crazy stuff. Well, I think it's been a great show and it will live on in infamy on Netflix and Showtime. Who knows? I hope, you know. Yeah, I think it will. I really do, Dennis, because again, it's just, I had an, again, another actor on Sarah Colonna who was on a few seasons ago and she played a a, a supervisor of a fast food place. And she was just telling me that they just gave her so many opportunities, just make up as many dirty lines as you can. And just, we'll just take the best of them. And she's like, she spent five minutes just going back and forth saying, do this, do that. So I mean, there's it, it, yeah. there's not yeah. been a show like it, you know, ever. I don't think as far as the limits that you guys have pushed for television.
1: And it's funny because I just shot an episode of another TV show. I can't say anything about it. It's right, right. Of course, I just shot it, and I it was a throwback to how you, they're usually shot. I went, oh yeah, that's right. I can't be loosey goosey on this. I've got to be, you know, yeah, I got to get my the mark script. and not move. It's a very tight shot. It's a lockdown camera. It's moving. Whereas on Shameless, you know, it's almost all so much of a handheld. So if you get close to the market, it's okay. They're moving like this. So it gives you a lot of freedom. The drawback is, of course, there might be a camera right this close to you. That's just off there. The cameraman shooting you somewhere there, you know, is very close. But it gives you freedom to move and freedom to do things. And I went, oh,
0: yeah. This is what it's like to shoot a regular single camera show. (laughs) Regular single camera,
1: yeah. Well, they had three cameras there, too, but they were all set very specific
0: yeah yeah you're like it's just funny because sometimes i watch it and i go this all just seems so improv just like i think over the years we've seen peaks of boundaries being pushed clearly and Uh then some seasons it kind of draws back a little bit we don't get that as much a lot of the you know sexually oriented stuff which whatever it's part of the show and then Some seasons we get a lot of it. And then this last season before this one, we didn't get much. So they kind of just kind of fluctuate back and forth. But I think that's just what makes the show so fun is you just some seasons are wilder than Uh others. And you just don't know what you're going to get. But it's been a blast. And switching gears here, (laughs) just a quick pivot Uh um, before we run out of time. you've, You've been in the industry for a long time and you've played a lot of different roles, comedy, drama. Is there an area where you feel the most comfortable in or like most, you just enjoy the challenge presented to you and you just love working no matter what?
1: Uh, I, yeah, that's pretty much sums it up. I like, I like the challenge For I've never been in a position to be able to be picky. You know, I, I can I, I get a role, I get cast and I do it. Um, most of the time. And uh, it's been great. I've I feel fortunate to work this long in the, industry I love so much and be able to make a living at it. I just realized today that the 2021, it's been 40 years. I've been a member wow. of actors, say a screen actors guild. So it's like, wow, 40 years. That's I a long
0: time to be a working actor and make a living at it. I well, was- some
1: years it wasn't working as much as others, you know. Okay. I, I, for example, I'm an adjunct professor. I teach uh, at uh, uh, out in Mount San Antonio, Mount San Antonio College in Walnut. I've been there for like 10, 11 years teaching film acting primarily. And then of course, basic acting course, just as a supplemental adjunct, I enjoy it. So I, I, I do things like that. I also do workshops, uh, acting workshops with kids with speech problems that I work through uh, shoreline speech on Friday afternoons. And that's great fun and very fulfilling. So I do those little things as well, but, you know, primarily an actor.
0: Yeah. How well, I imagine students when they find out that they're taking a master class with you and they make the connection i'm sure there's a lot of energy because like they know you from certain projects and you've shown up in other chicago show universes chicago med i think you played Uh a short little story on there and uh, four
1: four episodes in that
0: yeah not another not so nice guy (laughs) unwittingly we found out
1: Yes. Well, you know, it's interesting because people ask, well, how, do you, how did you play a guy that as bad as Terry? I said, well, I don't think he's a bad guy. No, I don't think and so go, at all. What? I go, well, I don't think he's a good guy either. I, I think it's very important for actors not to judge the character. Your job is to create the character, uh, to portray the character. The writers create it. Let's be very clear. The writers create these characters. Don't blame me all for Terry Milkovich. <laughs> Some writers wrote that, you know. And then yeah, I just That's not a
0: representation him. of you. You're nowhere like that at all.
1: Not even a little bit. Because what happens, I think, if you prejudge, if you look at the script and go, oh, I'm the villain, then almost... Almost invariably, you're going to give a two dimensional sort of presentation of what you think the audience's idea of a villain is. You're going to pander to them in some way, which is not what you should do. You should create the character as fully as possible. You know, portray the character as fully as possible, and it's the audience's job to judge. You know, the audience tells me I'm a bad guy. I'm going to have to
0: watch the shows and see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've had conversations with others about that, and you know, it's that whole conversation of good versus evil and a quote-unquote bad guy per se, it's all about the perception of how we perceive you on the show. Although your actions as a character might lend to one place or another, that doesn't mean that you as an individual in that role is bad. It's just kind of what you're doing. And you yeah. play it to the point where we go, okay, you know, he's a this or a that, but then there's moments of humanity that we've talked about and we go, well, Maybe not. You know, I guess we'll never know. It does At this point, it's mute because your character died. So right, uh, right. in a very surprising way, I have to say, I did not see that coming uh, by any means whatsoever. Again, they, it's funny. They just,
1: the writers just, you know, gotcha.
0: They did. They did. Well, also, you know, when you started, I understand you were with a theater group. You've been mm-hmm. classically trained. You've done theater, a lot of other types, things like that. And I'm sure the love for that never leaves, but is there, or was there ever a preference for one or the other, or you just, again, it comes down to just working and enjoying the craft that you're so good at.
1: I love doing theater. And the reason is because it's an actor's medium. I mean, theater, it's, it's just you out there. Once that curtain goes up and the play starts, it's your show. It's the actor's show. If we screw up or mess up, we have to fix it, and it's you and the stage manager running things, and that's it. And you play a character for an hour, two or two, three, whatever it is, however long the play is, with a beginning, middle, and an end, and an arc, and the whole thing in one shot. And I, to me, it's much more an actor's medium. You're being seen from your top, of your head, the bottom, of your feet. You're acting all the time. You know, all your whole body, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I, I think that's an actor's medium, which makes it appealing. Uh, I love film and television because. It pays more you know just be honest oh, yeah at some sure. point i would do a lot of stage work and and there was a point where i said gee i'd really like to own a couch
0: <laughs> you know i'd like, like to, have to a do yeah a nice tv or something like that when,
1: when i started out i would get cast in a show in some city rep or stock or something i load my car up and off i go and whatever fit the cars what i took and i would get there and buy an old you know a dresser and a bed. And, and uh, when I was done, I'd leave it and go on. You know, that was kind of my life and um, starting out in theater. That's why I think so many young actors are the same way. They're going job to job and starting the theater. There's not a lot of money, but it's exciting and it's fun. And and I can remember uh, in Chicago, my, my first wife sitting there going, well, we should get some furniture. And I went, I don't think it'll fit in the car. My first thought was this, that's not going to fit in the car. <laughs> I love <laughs> it was it. so used it to love it. but at some point you go I really want to have other stuff and that requires and, and in Chicago I was doing commercials and trade shows industrial films and theater a lot of theater and you have to do a little bit of everything there I think to really make a living and at one point I did in 1990 I guess it was I came out to la to pursue the film and television part of it so
0: yeah it's funny I've heard so many stories of Actors who say that they're like, I lived in my car, kind of. I calf searched with other actors, you know. I hear piling into these seedy apartments in West Hollywood, you know, in the late 90s, getting jobs in children's theater because it paid the bills. Sure. And Stephen Tobolowski said, You know, I went to LA and I got a job in children's theater instantly. And that was my first taste then commercials you know the commercial money is really good and then you just get used to it and it's level by level oh my god it's crazy just all of this you started out you did theater you started performing on television and films one last question here kind of looking back on all of it not any regret moments but was there anything as a young actor that you would have perhaps maybe done differently or changed or taken a risk on that you didn't, or again, just kind of going back and saying, you know, everything worked out the way that it was supposed to.
1: Well, I think if I were to do it all over again, I changed my name. That'd be about it. My mom's maiden name was Ryan's R Y A N S, which is a dynamite name for an actor. I think Dennis Ryan's, it just has a, you know, I've probably been at a soap opera for the last thirty years. If I was Dennis Ryan's, uh, that sounds silly, but that might be the only change I would make in it. It's just I might not all my name. It's just you know doesn't roll off the tongue like Ryan's. So well, and that's associated with Dennis, the Irish part of it, and all
0: that. <laughs> I love it, and again, it's just been a pleasure chatting and just watching oh, you, you seeing you on this show for so long, and just all the ups and downs, and really the writers the directors the creators giving us some All satisfaction tremendous. i'm kind the, of bummed to see it go to be honest so some of the writers
1: you know and the writers change you know over the 11 years alex borstein wrote some of the early episodes i was in that were tremendous and and gut-wrenching uh where i pistol whip uh, noel or or uh, mickey in that one that she wrote that one and wow and uh mike o'malley the actor mike o'malley was one of the early writers and uh, some of the, and of course, John Wells wrote Nancy Pimentel. It was a friend of mine, pal. We did, uh, we did improv together <laughs> years ago in LA and she's uh, literally, what is she? She's like, a she's a scientist. I mean, she went to school for a whole different thing uh, and then wound up being a writer. I can't remember. I'm going to get the wrong thing. You know, she was a scientist. And so this has been a great, great experience, you know, with all these writers that change over the years and, They come and they go, writers, you know, they move around too, I guess.
0: Yeah. And just, I mean, all the guest appearances that the show has had over the years, so many celebrities coming in and out character actors playing parts. Some, I think fans are hoping and holding out that we might see one more time, but who knows? We have a few episodes left. And if you haven't seen shameless, we will link it in our show notes. I think previous episodes and seasons are on Netflix, but get a Showtime subscription. We have still have a little time on our hands to watch as the world opens back up. And, and of course, whatever is next for you, we're excited to see it. Dennis, thank you for being with me today on the podcast. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you for having me, Brett. Thanks so much.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by.